This episode of Intelligent Medicine is brought to you by the next big thing in anti-inflammatory supplements, a brand new all-natural daily preventative against a host of possible inflammatory issues. Black for Health liquid extract from Future Farm Botanicals. Black for Health combines four plant-based foods, black garlic, black radish root, black cumin seed, and black peppercorn containing high levels of body-ready healing botanicals. Black for Health supports your liver, skin, cholesterol, blood pressure, and weight management, circulation, and immunity. It's a tasty supplement with liposome complex for optimal absorption. For more information and to order, call 888-841-7216, 888-841-7216, or go to myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. That's myfuture, P-H-A-R-M, myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. Welcome back to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. We're talking about plastic surgery with a specific view towards uh, hair restoration. We're going to talk a little bit more about that in uh, this part two of today's discussion with Dr. Gary Linkoff. Uh, Gary is a board-certified plastic surgeon. Uh, his work is featured at Rebalance, which is a new center in Midtown Manhattan. Tell us a little bit about uh, Rebalance, uh, Gary, and why you're part of that it's a multidisciplinary practice it's not just a, yes. a solo office you know where people just see you there's a whole range of services that actually uh, support the work you do yeah absolutely so the name of my specific practice is it's actually city facial plastics um, and then rebalance is is basically the center that uh, houses my practice and uh, we have a fully accredited operating room here at the center and we have uh, many other specialists that uh, also have um, are basically looking to improve people's wellness and uh, and and function as as a team um so that you come there's to one nutritional place. services there's uh you know various types of cosmetic facial procedures that don't involve uh uh your uh, surgical intervention that's right and even sexual health and uh, musculoskeletal uh treatments so um trying to hormone uh, replacement mm -hmm. surgery would be part of that rejuvenation process yes trying to improve the patient from the inside and out you know there's a limit to what my services can accomplish and I think it's very important to be part of a team that can um, treat many different um, aspects that that might be bothersome to a patient some of some of which they might not even realize initially Gary short of uh you know, uh, going under the knife uh, under anesthesia, you know, scalpel procedures. Mm -hmm. uh, are there uh, more conservative procedures that can help patients uh, have a more youthful appearance? Yes, absolutely. Everything from the hair to the face to the neck has non-surgical options to it. So that could be uh, things like uh, different pills that you take, different creams that you put on your skin, uh, different types of lasers or chemical peels that that, uh, that rejuvenate the skin and the subcutaneous um, tissues and the muscle that lies uh, beneath it. And there are also um, injectables that, that are done too. So I offer uh, Botox as do most doctors, I would say, in the country now, um, as well as injectable um, fillers. So I, I actually teach courses on injectables for physicians who are looking to get into the aesthetic space. So that was part of my core training. I, I'm very comfortable um, with with different types of um, fillers, and so I, I teach courses. And so I think uh, there is a place for it. I think that these days it's being overdone 
uh, in general. And so we're getting a lot of very artificial um, appearing, appearing people. So sometimes you don't know if it was from their plastic surgery or that someone who maybe shouldn't have been injecting them injected them. Mm -hmm you know, in the face with, with different types of products. So it's sometimes hard to know exactly what, what caused the appearance. But it, like you said earlier, Dr. Hoffman, I think we all know when someone's uh, been overdone and just looks unnatural. Let, let's uh, switch gears and talk a little bit about the potential for hair uh, restoration. You know, what type of clients do you see? What problems do you see? And, you know, what are some of the options? So I would divide it into... I, first, I think the best way to divide it is, is to just into male and female um, gender, because the problems that they're presenting with specifically related to the hair are, are very different. For most men, um, they're not experiencing any rapid shedding or any scarring problems of the scalp. For most men, it's an androgenic alopecia, which is a hereditary type of hair loss that that you know, eventually will usually affect most, most guys. Um, and so they're coming in at different ages, I would say starting as early as in their early 20s with different degrees of receding hairlines and, and also losing hair in the crown. And so we're always gauging their age, uh, their expectations and how good their donor uh, hair quality is, meaning the hairs that we can pick from to move them to a place where they don't have hair where they would like to have more hair. So that's like the most typical male type of uh, patient. For women, it's, it's very different. Women will come in also all different ages, but usually there's a, a much more um, intensive workup that we go through, looking at different hormonal uh, imbalances in, in blood work, uh, looking at thyroid levels, um, iron, ferritin, vitamin D levels, all these things can, can really impact on, uh, on women's hair and, and usually more so than, than for men. Uh, for women, uh, the most common type of hair loss is still androgenic alopecia, but there are many other types of, uh, of hair loss. Some are related to stress, some are familial, um, others are from different scarring problems with scalp, and so the treatments are very different. And that's why we do um, a, a really a, a more aggressive investigation uh, before offering anything, especially like a transplant, which is more permanent and really only reserved to, to a select group of, of women that would qualify um, for that, where it would be the appropriate treatment. When you do the transplants, you harvest hair from one area and then you put them back in. Mm -hmm. and so how do you avoid that cornrow appearance that sometimes is so such a telltale sign of uh, hair replacement. Absolutely. So it used to be that uh, the punches that were obtained from the, the donor site where the hairs are coming from, that those size, uh, the size of the punch was actually four millimeters. And just to put it into perspective, the size of our current punch on average is about 0.8 or 0.9 millimeters. Mm. So by decreasing the size of the punch with just advances in technology, we're able to deliver a much more natural result. So you're not transplanting some hair with like this massive island of skin around it. So your donor site has less scarring and your recipient site, meaning where the hairs are going, just looks much more natural because it's a much finer look and you can... Uh, artistically sort of create that hairline uh, much better than having this kind of cornrow uh, large punch size appearance. 
Is hair restoration painful? It looks like it might be. The scalp's got a lot of nerves in it. And is it very time-consuming? Do you have to go in for you know session after session after session to uh, accomplish a cosmetically acceptable result? It is time-consuming and labor-intensive. Uh, it's something that's not just done by the surgeon. There's usually a team of technicians <laughs> that are highly trained in performing different uh, steps of the transplant that are involved with the surgeon to provide care for the patient. Uh, we do all of our transplants under uh, local anesthesia, meaning usually lidocaine injections, and some PO sedation, so typically a Valium and or an Ambien where uh, folks can be uh, a little bit sleepy and a little more relaxed. But it's very comfortable. No one ever complains that, oh, I spent all day getting a transplant and I was miserable. Everyone seems to be uh, very content with uh, the level of anesthesia and uh, sort of relaxation during the process. So it's, it's, it's very safe. It's very comfortable. It is labor-intensive and it does take time. Typical hair transplant uh, of um, sort of average uh, number of hairs for the scalp, let's say, can take a full day, so about 10 hours of work. And uh, so it, it is a lot of sort of laying around, but we usually will stop and, and give the patient a break for lunch. So it, it's, um, it's kind of a nice get to know your, your patients and your surgeon very well during that day. And then occasionally, if it's a larger case, we'll, we'll bring patients back the following day for um, sort of an additional uh, set of, of grafting. And, and then that would be it. And then you wait 10 to 12 months for complete hair growth. And if at that time, uh, patients desire additional uh, hair, then, then we talk about a second procedure. But for most patients, they're receiving one transplant and not needing one uh, ever again, but but some people want just more density, and so they get go, undergo additional procedures years apart. I've heard of uh, PRP, platelet-rich plasma, as an option for patients with uh, minor uh, hair loss. I mean, obviously, if you're, uh, you know, if you've got uh, that uh, billiard ball kind of uh, hairline, that's not going to work. But for uh, areas of local thinning, uh, patchy alopecia, perhaps that could be helpful. Yes, definitely. So in addition to some of the pills and creams available for hair, uh, there are some other non-surgical options. So one of which is, is the PRP, as you mentioned, Dr. Hoffman. The other one, and I'll go into that a little bit more, but there's also scalp micropigmentation. So this is actually a temporary tattooing of the scalp, which can be really nice um, for uh, a few things. So one is actually to uh, cover up scarring. So if someone has a long scar either from a, an old uh, strip procedure, meaning where you t take a strip of, of scalp, uh, which we don't really do anymore. We take it one by one, single hairs at a time. But it used to be that there was an entire strip from the back of the scalp that was removed and then those patients have these long scars. So you can do the tattooing. I'm thinking of uh, my uh, turf, my uh, you know garden uh, lawn turf. They mm -hmm. actually would, you know, arrive with a truck with the, you know, t the whole uh, peeled off turf and then just drop it in. It, that's the way it used to be done? Yes. Yes, pretty much. And so those patients will sometimes benefit from the uh, scalp micropigmentation. It's also nice after uh, or before a transplant where um, patients find that sometimes there's 
it's not enough density for them, and you can still see their their lighter colored, say, mm -hmm. scalp sh mm -hmm. uh, shining through the hair. So you can go in there with this um, scalp micropigmentation and really create a nice uh, change for them. And it's it's there's actually no anesthesia necessary. It's a um, very sort of superficial depositions of ink, and it doesn't go to the depth of the uh, hair bulb. So the hair follicles are all safe um, from it. So it's just a nice option for people to know about. It used to be done just by tattoo artists uh, many years ago, hmm. and then now it's sort of entered into the uh, hair world for for surgeons and for uh, well-trained hair technicians. So um, just just something that we offer as well, and and I think people should know about. For PRP, uh, it involves a blood draw. So we drop uh, usually 20 cc's of blood, spin it down in a special centrifuge to um, extract out the plasma with the platelets. Those um, uh, That, that platelet-rich plasma is then injected into the scalp after the scalp is properly numbed. And by doing so, you can definitely see improvements in hair growth. Um, anywhere from, I would say, percentage-wise, maybe 20 to 30% improvement. It lasts for anywhere from three to six months per injection. And then obviously, if you get serial injections, usually you get prolonged effect. There's really good data in the literature to support doing uh, scalp uh, PRP. Scal uh, PRP is also being used on the face for something like people may have heard of vampire facelift that Kardashian mm -hmm. has gotten. Mm -hmm. so, so the data for PRP in the face is actually very weak and isn't necessarily any better than just doing microneedling or any other type of uh, trauma to the, to the facial skin. But on the scalp, PRP has really had nice results in the literature. So definitely something that our patients uh, enjoy. And um, it's, it's not an uncomfortable procedure. It takes about one hour. Okay, folks, at this point, uh, let's allow one of our sponsors to share this important message with you. Naturally occurring black pigments in vegetables, spices, and seeds have been found to have powerful anti-inflammatory effects. Hi, this is Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and I'm excited about what I think may be the next big thing in anti-inflammatory supplements, a brand new all-natural daily preventative against a host of possible inflammatory issues. Black for Health liquid extract from Future Farm Botanicals. Black for Health combines four plant-based foods, black garlic, black radish root, black cumin seed, and black peppercorn containing high levels of body-ready healing botanicals. Black for Health supports your liver, skin, cholesterol, blood pressure, and weight management, circulation, and immunity. It's a tasty supplement with liposome complex for optimal absorption. For more information or to order, call 888-841-7216, 888-841-7216, or go to myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. That's myfuture. Farm, P-H-A-R-M, myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman, myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. Thanks for listening and thanks for supporting our sponsors. They're what make Intelligent Medicine a continuing free resource to you. And now back to our guest, plastic surgeon, Dr. Gary Linkov. Gary, you know, you probably attend all the, the conferences and you take uh, all kinds of uh, online uh, uh, continuing education courses. Where, where do you see the future of hair restoration? Because still, you know, what you're describing, it's it's somewhat of an arduous uh, process. And uh, now they're talking about uh, stem cells and, you know, that whole area is really uh, regenerative medicine uh, with regard to hair uh, is an area that is kind of like the holy grail of um, uh, hair restoration. Yeah, so I think there two different areas that are um, 
growing at the same time and hopefully uh, there'll be a, a synergy between them as they really um, advance. So one is the technology for hair um, transplantation. So there is a robot uh, that some people use for transplants. It's called the Artist. And right now it's limited to just helping you with uh, removing hairs from the back of the scalp. But if you have a good team of technicians, it's, it's completely unnecessary. It just it automates the process. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, exactly. But there are a lot of limitations. Uh, for example, it has a, a sharp punch mm-hmm. the way that it enters the scalp, whereas our instrument that we use has an, an oscillating punch that's much uh, more gentle on the hairs. The second thing is that the robot does not perceive lighter colored hairs. Mm-hmm. So there's a limitation there. If you have someone with a gray hair, you, you cannot use uh, the robot. And the third, I mean, it's just very expensive. It's about $300,000 to purchase. Okay. Um, and and the fourth is it takes up an entire room in your yeah. office. So it's so most most people don't uh, even I know some hair surgeons have the machine and just don't use it because they find mm-hmm. that it's just inefficient. Mm-hmm. So I mean ideally the robotics will continue to um, to, to expand and 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 develop and and as it does hopefully it'll make the process of transplantation much more automated and and more helpful. But we're really pretty far from that now. And the um, other area is, is like you said, cloning and, and tissue engineering. So ideally, you would be able to extract out one hair follicle with the bulb mm-hmm. and in a laboratory expand out those uh, that uh, structure uh, for the patient and, and multiply it, you know, to have thousands so of Build them a whole new head of hair and then uh, or apply it. In some way. Yeah, just have an unlimited supply, but but again, there's that, that there's no um, cloning for hair uh, on the on the near horizon. I mean, we'll see. Maybe I would say at least uh, five years from now, at a minimum, mm-hmm. we would get the technology like that. So so as robotics advances and and the cloning uh, technologies, you know, hopefully that will ultimately improve. Uh, hair restoration, but like you said, for now it's still you know a, a kind of a little bit of an archaic uh, process. But even in today's world, there are uh, certain techniques and, and certain devices that are much more uh, effective than others. Uh, Gary, wh- what about uh, some forms of natural therapy to support recovery? I know that uh, some plastic surgeons uh, advocate the use of bromelain. Uh, or certain uh, healing nutrients to facilitate a better outcome, uh, reduce the bruising, uh, you know, improve swelling. Um, is this something you employ in your practice? Well, I, I do, I do. I, you know, I recommend Arnica to patients, Arnica Montana. Um, I think the data is honestly mixed on the use of Arnica. I think the data is weak on um, Arnica for for topical application, but if someone yep. were to take the pills of Arnica, the data is better for that. So, you know, the, the randomized trials that have been done go sort of both ways on whether or not um, Arnica really helps, but I think it is helpful to provide uh, some supplementation in the recovery phase. Uh, there are also some other agents that are kind of newer on the horizon for plastic surgery actually wrote a, an article with um, Dr. Mike Nyack out of St. Louis 
on this. Uh, it was published in the Plastic and Reconstructive Surgery Journal just last year on using tranexamic uh, acid, mm-hmm. which can decrease um, bruising. And that's mm-hmm. been that's, that's Trentil, isn't it? That's the thing that's used uh, for people with claudication. If I'm not. Or yeah, th- that's right. Uh, you know, it's been used also in the in the trauma uh, world mm-hmm. and okay. in orthopedics uh, intraoperatively, like IV, to to reduce uh, blood loss. And uh, there are some uh, early case series that show that it really is helpful for uh, different types of, of facial um, surgeries. So that's kind of a, a newer agent uh, now that, that people are looking into. Um, and it's, you know, there are, there are like pills of, of, of that agent, but I don't think that anyone's using that yet for uh, plastic surgery. It's more like it's it's being instilled into the different solutions for, for example, um, the lidocaine solution. So, uh, some people will add the tranexamic acid. I haven't started doing it yet, but I'm definitely strongly considering it. Um, Mike Nyack has, has a, some experience and just started doing that about eight months ago and has see, seen less uh, less bruising um, and uh, after, after surgery. So th- that's an option for sure. Gary, Gary, you're located in New York City, but is your practice sort of a destination practice? I mean, say someone in, uh, uh, you know, Wichita, Kansas may say, well, you know, I'm not that confident about the folks in my community. I'd like to come to New York for surgery, but it presents a bit of a logistic uh, problem because I'm going to have downtime and recovery time and, you know, maybe I should just stay home. Is there a way that patients can come in from out of town and they'll be uh, they'll be okay with this procedure? Yeah, for for most uh, surgeries that I do, absolutely, uh, you know, out of town uh, patients are, are welcome. There are a number of uh, hotels uh, immediately around us um, that that you know are are very comfortable and uh, and well regarded. The only question is how long someone should stay in town um, as you before sort of they get in a plane or something with the subject yeah, to the problems associated with blood clots and you know the changes in pressure and that that kind of thing. Exactly. So so the certain procedures that I do, like, uh, for example, rhinoplasty and, and facelifts, I would not want someone uh, flying, you know, two days later. Mm-hmm. So that would be the type of surgery where you really have to commit to spending about a week in uh, in Manhattan or in the New York City area. You have to come in for follow-up just to make sure everything's healing properly and so on. Exactly. Exactly. That, that would be the right way to do it. Absolutely. There are certain other more minor, uh, both uh, surgical and non-surgical treatments that patients can feel very comfortable going back the same day even, and even getting sometimes their sutures removed um, in other you know, parts of the country. There are colleagues of mine, and we sort of do it for each other. If a patient of mine or theirs um, needs sutures removed that sort of flew in from, from out of town, we're happy to accommodate uh, those patients. So sometimes I can connect them to a colleague in a different state for something like that. So absolutely, for, for the more... Uh, for the larger procedures that, that are more involved, I would say that it's best to stick around for about a week. For smaller procedures, it's safe to sometimes fly back the uh, same day or, or the next day, including for a hair uh, surgery. Gary, can you give me some information about uh, your practice and about rebalance? Oh, absolutely. So the best way to, I mean, in terms of kind of getting in touch and uh, and asking questions? or Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Presumably, there's a there's a website and there's right, right. a way to connect. Yes. So my practice's website is um, citifacialplastics.com, 
and uh, my I have a an Instagram that um, that many people now follow, and it's at uh, dr for doctor doctor Gary NYC. So pretty easy to find that way. So some um, patients actually find me through through online through Instagram um, through Facebook, and sometimes sometimes even direct message me. But on the website City Facial Plastics, there is a phone number right at the top. Uh, patients can even schedule online directly through the website they don't even need to call in if they don't want to or they can call the number to schedule and then uh, rebalance uh, new york city.com is is the website for the um, uh, space that that i'm in for the uh, sort of integrative wellness um, approach that we had talked about before so that that is the website uh, for, for that rebalance nyc.com correct okay and the spelling of your name L I N K O V. Exactly. Last name. Mm -hmm. Gary's yes. the easy part. Uh, well, <laughs> congratulations on, you know, a marvelous career preparation for the work that you do. Thank um, you. you know, as someone who is trained in medicine, um, I'm in awe of what plastic surgeons have to uh, undergo to reach a level of competence before they, they can practice. Um, and um, so, by the time they practice, they're usually what about sixty-five years old? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> right. Well, more than half of that. <laughs> Fortunately, you were a prodigy, and uh, you completed medical school at the age of seventeen, and and here you are. So that's great. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> good stuff. All right. Well, listen. Uh, thanks for informing our, our audience. Uh, this you know, aesthetics is is certainly an important uh, area of medicine, and uh, I think you're destined to be a leader in this field. Uh, with your training and orientation. Thank you very much really for joining cool. us. Thank you very much, Dr. Ron. Thank you again for having me and uh, to all your guests for listening. My pleasure. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman. That was Dr. Gary Linkov. And this is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast. As an Intelligent Medicine listener, you know how important it is to ensure that your supplements are genuine, safe, and effective. But vetting your sources and tracking down the exact products you need can be a hassle. That's why I'm inviting you to browse my online supplement dispensary at drhoffmanstore.com. We stock only the highest quality supplements, some of which are very hard to find elsewhere. The very same supplements I prescribe to my patients and take myself. My specially curated professional-grade supplements are fulfilled via the Fullscript network. Fullscript is the safest and most convenient way to purchase my medical-grade supplements. Buying through Fullscript offers fast shipping, optional refill reminders, a mobile-friendly site. It's safe, secure, and HIPAA-compliant, and offers world-class support. Just go to drhoffmanstore.com to sign up for your free Fullscript account. That's drhoffmanstore.com, drhoffmanstore.com.